welcome to Big Dating Energy. I am Jeff Gunther, licensed professional counselor. I'm so happy that you're here with me today because I am talking to the Taylor Lorenz. She is a tech journalist and reporter. I've been following her work for a very long time. I was super excited to have a chat with her. She actually just wrote a book called Extremely Online, colon, Gen Z, The Rise of Influencers and the Creation of a New American Dream. It's all about how the internet and social media have totally changed the game for Gen Z, turning things like fame, careers, and dreams upside down. Taylor has this like knack for exploring how our lives are intertwined with the online world. And in her book, she dives into the lives of influencers, the communities they build, and how being online is reshaping what success looks like today. And me and her talk about dating apps and lots of other techie things, but we focus mostly on dating apps and how they've influenced our romantic relationships, our dating goals, how we meet people, what we think the future of dating apps will be. What are those algorithms? Can we figure them out? It's a really interesting convo. I think that you're going to learn a lot and maybe have like a different relationship with your phone after you listen to this episode. But before we get into it and you hear about, you hear my talk with Taylor, I just want to give you a friendly reminder that I would love it if you gave me a five-star review. It helps so much. It makes me feel good about myself. You will boost my self-worth with just a click of a button. Five stars. I love to see it. Um, Also, you can pre-order my book called Big Dating Energy at Barnes & Noble, Powell's.com, Amazon, or just go to therapyjeff.com. You can buy it there. You can also listen to my other podcast. If you're like, I want relationship advice, from Jeff in long form, well, you're in luck because my new podcast called Problem Solved is just that. I get callers to call in, me and a co-host give them advice. That caller goes away for a week to do the advice, calls back and tells us how wonderful or not so wonderful the advice actually was. It's a very satisfying podcast. So go look for Problem Solved after you listen to this episode and after you review it and I'll feel really good about myself. Thank you for doing that. Okay. Here it is. Hello, Taylor. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here. And I'm really excited to talk about your your book, Extremely Online. Uh, there was actually, I used to, as like a content creator myself, I, of course, had to um, create some merch because that's what we do, right? You want to like sell shirts. Uh, And so there was this one shirt that like I created that never actually launched, but it had on the front of it, it said extremely into online therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I need to launch a merch store. Honestly, that is... That's genius. That's really funny. Yeah. Unfortunately, the merch store hasn't been very successful. There's something about like buying merch from an online therapist. It's just sort of like a weird feeling for people, which I understand. (laughs) It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, But today we're going to talk about um, social media apps and online dating apps and weird like dating uh, techie trends that are happening. So I have some questions to go through. Um, I sent some of those questions to you, but we're just going to kind of like see where this goes. One of the first questions I wanted to ask though is um, which social media app do you think is uh, the horniest? Oh my God, (laughs) such a good question. I want to say Twitter because it's the only platform that allows nudes. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I always forget about that. Yeah, uh, there's 
which 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 like social media platform do you feel like attracts the most like people sliding into your DMs? Maybe not you personally, but just sort of like in general. I know. Well, my DMs are open on every platform because I'm a journalist, and so that's how I get yeah. a lot of tips, and I also get a lot of crazy DMs. I think people know that I cover internet culture, so they send me right. funny internet things. I will say, and I okay. I always enjoy that. Most of them are totally harmless, weird internet things, but um. Yeah. I mean, so I did a story a couple of years ago on the nudist community on Twitter, and I still follow a lot of those people that are the, the most wonderful, some of the most nice, wonderful people I've ever interviewed, but they post just like full nudity constantly on Twitter. So I think that's shaped my perception of that. Um, I feel like Instagram is where people slide into DMs the most. It does generally. Feel like it. Yeah, in general. I feel like they're like the messaging like features on Instagram is sort of like caters towards it. Um, they did, however, didn't Instagram recently make it like a little bit harder yes. for people to slide into DMs? Like you have to approve a message. What is going on there? I hate that. There? The bane of my <laughs> existence as a reporter because I'm always trying to message people. Um, now you can only send one message. I think if they don't follow you and it's supposed to be to like reduce spam, but I think people are getting around it because I was checking my message requests recently and there's people that I've never responded to that have sent me like nine messages. So I don't know that the hack. It's same for me. I'm not quite sure, but I do have people complaining sometimes that they can't send me multiple messages. And I think I'm actually fine with that on my end. Yeah. Um, There, the, I feel like Twitter or X uh, is, I feel like they do there, there are, there's more nudes on there, which makes it actually, do you feel like it's more sex worker safe or? Like, oh yeah. I don't know about, yeah. Well, like there's just a lot of like OnlyFans people on Twitter. I mean, mm-hmm. less so now, like Elon has, Elon has screwed the site up so much that it's kind of unusable, but traditionally, I mean, this is what I wrote in that piece on like nudist, the, the nudist community. Like there's just nowhere to post online that's not like heavily censored because you have like Instagram and TikTok and all these other places, which I totally get. They want to make it safe for kids. I think Twitter was just like YOLO. We're going to, you know, (laughs) allow it all. Um, So you see a lot of sex workers and then you just see a lot of like people, I think that are just like, because of its focus on anonymity on Twitter too, people are just more like uninhibited a little bit, maybe unhinged Mm -hmm. sometimes too. Yeah. I feel like it. Are they, how does like Twitter sort of like get away with like allowing people to post more news? Is is that something that they can somehow get in trouble for? Or is it like whatever, it's a private company and they can do whatever they want now? They can do whatever they want. They are a private company. Um, I mean, I will say that child uh, sexual abuse material has like skyrocketed on the app Mm -hmm. since Elon has laid off all the moderators and Mm -hmm. stopped policing that stuff. So it's not great that they allow Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I I think it's, well, it's not great that they're not policing it. I think it's great to, I mean, I was a big Tumblr user. I think it's great to allow nudes. Like why not? It's the internet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let let people post whatever they want. But I have a more liberal view of that than I guess the tech regulators. Yeah, I guess so. You started on Tumblr, right? Or that was one of your, yeah. Yeah. How long were you blogging there? For years. I mean, I started in 2009. So I started getting traction on Tumblr and then I would write for a lot of early blogs. Like at the time there were, that was like this blogging boom. And so there were all these like really low level kind of like digital media properties that you could write for, like a lot of like celebrity blogs, basically Mm -hmm. like content farm stuff that I was writing (laughs) on. Um, until I got my job at the Daily Mail, and then that was my first like media job. 
in 2012, nice. I think, or 2013. Yeah. yeah. Do you miss the Tumblr days? All the time. Those were like the best days. The internet was so small. It was so, and it was brain poisoned in a lot of ways that it is now. Like Tumblr is a really good training ground, I think, for like what the internet became. But um, I just like, I, I mean, I'm a writer and I liked blogging and I think now everything is video and mm-hmm. it's just harder. People are more yeah. judgmental about your appearance, especially as a woman. And you have to like mm-hmm. film and edit and yeah, I'm, I'm a writer always at heart. So I miss the yeah. blogging era. It's a whole thing. Did you, when you were a kid, were you on AOL? Oh yeah. AIM. What was your AOL name? It was, I had a few. So I had one shared account that was like, I think it was like Tulip 2624, I think. Um, totally random. And then uh-huh. it, and then I made it Tails and a series of numbers because yes. I couldn't just be just Tails. Tails is my nickname. And Tay Tay uh-huh. is like what my grandmother called me. <laughs> so I would make my usernames variations of those things. Yeah. I remember in, when we were using AOL and how we would sort of like share usernames and passwords with our friends or siblings yeah. or something. And that was like a real thing. Um, you even with I... like with our partners, with our like oh, girlfriends yeah. and boyfriends, that was like a, a stage of the relationship. Well, I remember this big stage of the relationship was like putting them in your away message, like your bio. Yes, I, yes. what I did in middle school and I found this binder when I was moving years ago, my parents were moving and I found this binder in middle school. I used to, every time I chatted on aim with a boy, I would print out the entire conversation and hole punch it. And then my friends and I would like <laughs> highlight parts of it. And like, we would always like analyze them. And I found this big binder. I posted one picture of it, but I, it was honestly so cringy that I couldn't, it, it was like, <laughs> but I sent it to a bunch of guy friends of mine from that I've known since like middle school. I was like, Oh my God, look at what I found. <laughs> yeah. No, I do not want to fucking see that. I would die. I could it's not go through those messages. Made me want to peel my skin off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you, so how has your, um, experience or personal experience been on dating apps? Have you used dating apps? Yeah, definitely. And I used to, I used to write a lot more about dating apps. I kind of stopped and yeah, I think it's such an undercovered market. I mean, these are huge social platforms essentially, but they're never covered that way. And they have such a massive impact and like their algorithms and all their changes, like the products have a huge impact, but I think, cause they're not like Facebook and Twitter, they're not, they're just not covered as much, but, um, yeah, I wrote, I wrote about like Tinder and stuff like that back in the day I was on, remember right after college, cause I'm a millennial. Um, it was around, I think 2009, 2010, I was on OkCupid and sure. I, yeah, I remember I got on and I made my username Taylor Lorenz. Cause at that point I was like out of college. I was like, Oh, well, Taylor Lorenz is my name. So that's my username. And I got on the, uh, the website and, mm-hmm. um, everyone had pseudonyms and then I couldn't change it. <laughs> so it was like linked to your email uh-huh. and people would be like, what does Taylor Lorenz mean? I'd be like, it's my name. <laughs> You're such a fucking nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, though, that you had to like write. Did. Yeah. You had to write so much though. Do you remember how much you used to write on that app? I do remember that. And I, I enjoyed that. Like you really had to kind of get into like, ask yourself, who are you? How do you want to represent yourself? They also obviously had like all those questions, right. Where you can like, just take answer questions for days. Um, and I think maybe, I don't know if this is true. Maybe, you know, maybe that was like the first dating app algorithm is sort of like matching up with the questions and seeing the percentages of like, 
how many questions you match on. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. I answered those forever. That was like before BuzzFeed quiz culture, everything. It was like so early. I mean, yeah, when I worked, I used to work for the Daily Beast, which is owned by IAC. So we were in the same building as Match Group, which is all the dating. And we would have, we had like company parties with the same, it was all the companies under IAC. So like our Christmas Mm. party was with all the like Match Group employees. And Mm -hmm. I asked them so many questions about like, I was like, how does it work? Like, how does it, like, what are the most important signals? Like Tinder was doing this interesting thing, um, in the mid 2010s. Cause that, for in 2016, I had one of my primary group chats was on Tinder. Cause you could like add, you could like group chat people and we, you could, they were trying to push like group dating. Oh, um, really? I totally yeah. missed that. I have no idea what's going on there where okay. they would like, so on Tinder, you could like message multiple people and all go on dates together. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. I don't know if you still can, but, and then early Raya, I remember I got on Raya really early, like right at, not long after it launched. And what year was that? God, what year? Let me see actually what year. I'm actually curious. Um, Yeah. I applied to get on Raya maybe like six months ago. I've been waitlisted ever since. They're so. crazy now. I, but, but, <laughs> yeah, I, so it launched in 2015. I got on mm-hmm. 2016 when I was in DC uh, Okay. and, um, cause I cover the influence world and they used to have the map and they used to have a map of users and you could see where everyone was, <laughs> Oh, whoa. which was so crazy, but it was really fun. Cause it was kind of like a four square type of thing where like mm-hmm. you would go to somewhere and you'd be like, Oh my, there's five other people on Raya here. Like let's scroll through the profiles and like, oh. I'm huge into location stuff. And <laughs> it's sad a little bit that the norms have moved against it for privacy reasons. And I totally respect that. But there was this app called Highlight that I met so many people on in the early 2010s that was totally, it would monitor your location 24-7. And then it would tell you when you were crossing paths with somebody like many times over. And it would uh tell you your Facebook friends in common and stuff like that. So Right. Yeah. I think I remember that or apps like that where, and it it seemed like a really good idea where it's just like, you must be maybe interested in like the same sort of shit if you're crossing paths all the time or taking the same bus or something like that. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a, it's like a cute idea. And I feel like there's like so many little like niche dating apps out there now that are all trying to do their thing and be different from like the big ones that like mostly the match group owns you. So you mentioned the match group, the match group, obviously, right. They started out as like match.com, which is Mm -hmm. like match.com. I feel like that's for like the old heads these days, yeah. like, right. Like, um, and where you, and it's, it feel, I feel like match is still one of those websites where you can go ahead and type up a bunch of shit about who you are and really kind of like, I don't, I haven't used their app ever. Um, even though so they had an, I'm that, sure they do, but like, I imagine they do, but yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, off the top of your head, do you know which other, uh, dating apps the match group owns? Yeah. Well, they own Tinder, I'm pretty sure. Uh, And then um, they own, God, they own a lot. I think eHarmony. Hinge Hinge and eHarmony. I think they do own Hinge. Yeah. Um, I think Hinge might have been one of their more recent, like, big acquisitions. Oh, yeah. Tinder, Hinge. Oh, Medic. I've never even heard of that. Plenty of Fish. Oh, right. Okay, Cupid. Pears. Huh. Yeah. When you like would mingle with all these like dating app techies, did you get any like secret info on like how the dating apps worked or their algorithms or anything like that? They know because I think they knew that I was a reporter and (laughs) 
They did give me a story idea, which I wrote about at the time, um, which was, I wrote about sort of content consumption. This is not long after Instagram launched stories. And there's this pressure to like consume people's content, not just like it. It used to be like, oh, you have to like the person's picture, but then it became like, you have to view, you have to view the story. And if you didn't view the story, why didn't you view the story? And so I wrote about people's relationships. I interviewed a lot of people, a lot of couples and people Mm. that had just started dating about like story viewing habits. And that was something that a match group employee had mentioned. Cause I think at the time they were considering adding stories. I don't know if they ever did add stories, but that was like the boom when everyone was adding stories to all their apps. Yeah. Oh God. The, so the only, I think the like big uh, dating app that match group doesn't have is Bumble. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea why Bumble has like held out this long? I imagine that match group has been trying to acquire them. Why wouldn't Bumble just go ahead and get acquired? They can probably make millions of dollars, right? I think Whitney is like doing fine and doesn't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting. Like, I think the fact that they don't own Bumble is probably good too, because they have such a monopoly on the dating app like market. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Bumble was sort of famously founded like, out, you know, as almost like a sort of a competitor to Tinder and, and prior to, and so, um, I don't know, maybe they can't afford it. I don't know how IAC is doing these days, but Hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Is there a dating app, like which dating apps do you like and which ones give you the creeps? I, okay. I, I think dating apps are like just the most fascinating, like social sort of products. Um, Mm -hmm. I like the ones that are focused on experiences. There used to be this one called how about we, that was like, people would suggest like dates to go on and stuff. I was going to write this story last, it was last year, maybe a year and a half ago on field. And I started doing all the interviews and then the New Yorker scooped me and wrote a really phenomenal feature on field. Everyone should read it. Um, but I thought it was interesting how many more it had been sort of this non-traditional dating app. And then like a lot more like sort of straight people were using it, I think, cause it was kind of cool. And it was like, kind of like Bumble where it's like, okay, I'm, I don't just want to be in the Tinder mess. Like mm-hmm. I want like kind of maybe progressive young people, but, mm-hmm. um, so I thought that was an interesting, I, I still think field is interesting. I, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I can talk about that. I probably, whatever. So the, so fields <laughs> like approached me and they're like, Hey, we want you to do some sponsored content for us. And I was like, yes, I love field. I've used field. Um, and uh, like, I think any, um, like dating app or any like brand who asks me to make some sort of sponsored content for them, they're just like, use your own voice. You know how to like engage with your community, right? They're just like, we love what you do. Like we just, we're so honored to work with you. Uh, so I like wrote a script cause they had this like, uh, a, a kind of like an interesting data point where they're like, okay, so of the, uh, users who start out uh, labeling themselves as heterosexual, uh, the men that start out labeling themselves of, as heterosexual and then de- and then decide to kind of like become more fluid, they go from heterosexual to heteroflexible. And of the women that start out heterosexual, they skip over heteroflexible and they just go to buy. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting data point. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with probably like toxic masculinity for the, for the men where they're just like, I'm not gay. I'm not bi. Yeah, like, yeah. but maybe like I'm a little heteroflexible. Um, or maybe it had, there's like some sort of like bi 
phobia that these dudes are kind of taking part in. So I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to write the the sponsored content about. Um, And so I write the script and I send it to them. And I was like, fuck toxic masculinity, fuck biphobia in my own like therapy Jeff voice. And they're like, ooh, actually, like... Uh, we don't want you to, like, go too hard against toxic masculinity. We don't want you to, like, mention it or biphobia at all. Yeah. Really? And I thought that that was, like, so in their, like, wheelhouse or yeah. ballpark. They would, like, love me to, like, go hard against it. And that fits my brand and it would fit yeah. theirs. And they're like, you're going to probably, uh, like, some of our user base isn't going to like this. Like, uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be, like, offended by what you're saying. And I was like, huh, maybe this is... So, like, I think they, like, really deliberately lean, were leaning into, like, the queer community and, like, progressive inclusiveness. And then, I guess, maybe, like, a bunch of, like, hetero folks joined. <laughs> and now they're trying to find this, like, funny little lane of, like, being in both. I don't know. That's yeah. the impression that I get. Yeah. That's so interesting. I would love to be like a fly on the wall in their like positioning meetings, you know? I um, know. Because it is, I mean, social products and dating apps are, are very similar where the user base is the product, basically. Like, you know, you can clone an app exactly. And if you don't have that user, like you have to cultivate a very specific user base. And then the user base that you cultivate defines the utility of the product. And so... Mm-hmm. um yeah, I know that it's changed a lot on field as fields become more mainstream. So mm-hmm. that's crazy, though. I think that would have been a good video there. It was an amazing video. I also, mm-hmm. <laughs> in that same video, I was like, um, so, you know, all you dudes that are heteroflexible and like, you're really just being like, you're looking for like, uh, you're okay with maybe like a male, female, male threesome, as long as there's no sword crossing. And they're like, take sword crossing out of there. Uh, and then I, t- <laughs> I talked about how like, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day is like, is bisexual and we love him. He's our hero. And they're like, let's not talk about Billy Joe being bisexual. And oh my like, God. They're so, what's the going on? Marketers are so paranoid though. You know, they're always, I know. they're all it, so careful. It's funny though. We're like, I think every single time they're like, you know, your audience best until I write the script. And they're like, that's not our audience. And I'm like, yeah, it's my fucking audience. Actually, this is why you're paying me to like make this video for you. So yeah. yeah. Marketers uh, need to get yeah. with the program guys. Come on. <laughs> I know, right. But uh, whatever. Uh, I love field use field field is like good for like lots of different reasons. And it, it still is very uh, like a little bit more like, queer friendly or poly friendly and alternative relationship friendly. And yeah. we love to see that, but there, I feel like on field and also I get this sense from Bumble too, is that like, I'm not quite sure if they even have an algorithm. Like if I go on Bumble, it just fucking matches me with people <laughs> in my area. There it's yes, like chaotic. There, it's, it's so chaotic and it is very heavily like people, here's some random people around yes, you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which I think I would prefer like a no chaos, like no algorithm, just pure chaos. Here's like people in your city compared to maybe something like hinge. Have you heard of like, there's been more videos online uh, on TikTok specifically about hinge and about like the Rose jail. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. So, so if you've been on Hinge lately, they have these roses, right? Yes. 
where you get one free rose a week and you can take this rose and you can, you can, you can give it to somebody and you'll let the, it's almost like a super like, um, and if you want, you can, you can pay for roses. So you can have like 10 roses or unlimited roses and they will like hinge will gladly accept all of your money for all the roses that you want to purchase. But what they do, I think it's every day, is they show you like the 10 people um, that would be a really good match for you. Um, And they're like, here's the people. And the only way to like access those people is to give those people a rose. So these like people that are like really good matches for you and are actually typically like the most best looking people on the app are caught like behind Rose Jail and they're not getting a lot of uh, matches because the only way to access them is to buy a rose to send them a message. And so there's been these like really hot women on TikTok being like, I'm fucking stuck in rose jail and I can't stand hinge because of it. Wait, I love this. Okay. I kind of want to incorporate this into another story that I've been meaning to write forever that my friends Mm -hmm. are always chatting me about, which is also from TikTok, but um, people were talking about the concept of ugly jail, ugly, just meaning basically bad matches. Like people, like people will go through these periods where I think the algorithm is like very intent on giving them people that they really don't vibe with. I don't know if you've ever gotten in a rut like that. And I think it's very funny, all the things that people do to break out of it. Like I interviewed a bunch of people that just go to the most insane lengths to reset the algorithm, like re like creating entire second identities, second Facebook, second Instagram accounts, second, like everything to try to like be like, no, this is who I am. Stop trying to match me with this, these people. Yeah. I just think it's so interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. There was, who was it? I don't, maybe I was like talking to Logan Yuri. Do you know who? Oh my was? gosh. Huge fan. Yes. yes. And so it might've been where I heard this from Logan or, and then maybe like adapted it into my own understanding where like, um, it seems like hinge and probably all the other apps that have an algorithm. Um, they obviously want their users to engage with the app. So if you go on there and you're sending messages and responding to messages and liking people and swiping on it, then they're going to be like, oh, we're going to match you with other people that are using it and engaging with it just as much as you are. But if you don't, then you'll trickle down into this other mm-hmm. part of the algorithm where you're just like hanging out. You don't really want to fucking be there and you'll be matched with other people that don't really want to fucking be there. <laughs> and then it's just sort of like you don't even talk to each other and you have like a bad experience over and over on yeah. yeah. It's so um, interesting. I, I have a hinge story. Like I interviewed mm-hmm. the CEO of hinge. It was like 2014, whenever they did their big redesign, cause they used to be more like Tinder where it was like swiping side to side and they pitched this whole story and they're like, it's the end of the swipe and right. we're going to give you the exclusive on the end of the swipe. And then I download the app and it's like, you just swipe vertically instead of <laughs> horizontally. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I still wrote the article, but it was just funny. Um, yeah. And now it's like, you have to hit the little X button yeah. on hinge, which is so fucking annoying. It's like, the, <laughs> it hurts my thumb that I have to go all the way to the bottom corner. It's very upsetting. The, there's also, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fascinated with like dating app algorithms and the one like little Tinder hack that I was learning about recently. I don't know if this is a true thing, but you can, maybe, you know, something about it that like, if you like, when you log into Tinder for the first time that day, it gives you a really hot person. 
<laughs> that like that gets like a lot of yeah. you know likes and shit like that. So you're just like, oh yeah, and it gets like your engine running, and you're very excited about it. And then the second person that it gives you is somebody that's sort of like, however they figure this out, like on your level, and is somebody who like really engages with the apps and who it might be a really good match for you. And then everybody else is just sort of a garbage person. And so the way <laughs> to beat it is to close out the app after the first two apps, after the first like opening it, after the first two matches, and then just keep on going in there. And every time they'll give you a different first person and a different second person. I've heard this theory before. I've heard this okay. theory before. People do you know will, if there's any? I, I think it might be true. true. I do think uh-huh. that that on app, you know, I think that that is a different signal to the algorithm. And like like you said, there are these like ways to keep you engaged. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it's confirmed. But I do. I be, I totally believe that. I mean, they have so many weird, like growth hacky things they do. When I I interviewed the most swiped right man on tw- like the most oh. liked man on Tinder, and <laughs> this was years ago. I want to say like twenty seventeen or something. But um, his hack was that he had just made a bunch of graphics that, which I think they might have made. Now you can't do this. I can't remember. But um, that said like Tinder match of the day, like made it seem like Tinder had suggested this person to you specifically. And so people were like, Oh, Tinder is suggesting and he used Tinder logo and he really made it look real. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. um, gross (laughs) hack there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love, I respect that move, but it's, I guess a little inauthentic when it comes to it was very inauthentic, but people would, I interviewed some girls he matched with and they were like, well, I went out with him because I thought (laughs) I don't vibe with him at all, but like Tinder recommend it, you know? And it's like, Oh yeah. It's so fucking weird that like, I feel like it's, I mean, it's the modern way and maybe like the primary way that we're meeting people to date online Mm -hmm. is through, uh, dating apps. Do you, do you feel like you, when like looking through dating apps, whatever app you're looking through, do you feel like you can get a better understanding of who somebody is based on their dating profile or on their like social media profile and like oh, their social Instagram media. profile? 100% yeah. social media. The first thing I do is like, if they don't have enough identifying info, I'm like, all right, reverse image search. I'm going to find, I mean, I'm a reporter, so I'm a stalker, <laughs> but um, I, this is what I've always felt. And this is why I was so interested when Tinder was adding more social functionality. Like, I think that there are ways to, and Raya was working, doing stuff like this for a while too, where like they were trying to get people to create more organic content on the apps so that mm. people would, you know, that there, there's more original sort of interesting organic content that you can get a better sense of people's personalities. I, I don't think any app has really cracked it. Cause I think that, I mean, it's terrifying also. Cause like if people Google me, they find the most crazy things ever like Fox news stories or whatever. But I do think that like Googling someone or finding their Instagram specifically is like a really good picture of who someone is Mm -hmm. generally. Yeah, no, I think so too. Even though I'm, you know, it's curated, but maybe curated in a different way that might be a little more authentic than a dating app. I also like to go to follows. Like anytime I'm looking into someone, I look who they follow on Instagram because especially like if it's some guy and they just follow like you know, 10 million Instagram models, like that tells you something or like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have the activity feed anymore, but that was really <laughs> the best way to like, that was really tabs. handy. That was crazy. But you could see like, you know, what, what everyone was up to, but yeah, just, there's something about social media that engenders a different type of sharing that I think is very revealing about a person. Mm-hmm. 
Do you feel like, you know how, like, if you're on social media and you're kind of getting to that, like, doom scrolly place where you're mindlessly doing it and then you sort of feel icky or gross or exhausted, you can kind of, like, experience that same sort of feeling when you're on a dating app. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, a, do you feel, do you think that like the same sort of things are going off in your brain when it comes to like dopamine hits and like validation that we're looking for and sort of like the random sporadic, like, um, reinforcements that we get? Is it, is it do, does it like use the same triggers, social media apps and dating apps? Yes. Not only do they use the same triggers, I think they use the same kind of, um, like, product design tricks, I guess, to keep you scrolling and swiping and engaged. And it's like, they, Mm -hmm. they try to like hook you in and they know how many seconds it, you know, you lingered on something and how can they optimize that? And I do think that like, we are all just like looking for these quick fixes so much that it can just get exhausting to the point that like, you can swipe for half an hour or two hours. And like, you could actually be presented with somebody that is actually great and interesting. But at that point, you're so burned out that maybe you don't, give them the same look as you would, for mm-hmm. instance, if they were your first or second match, you know, like mm-hmm. just cause you're fatigued, like there is a fatigue. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why I would love to see more. I mean, there's all these like uh, pages on social media too. And like people try to do these like events or like I'm making an Instagram page. Like there was one a while ago where like you could sort of submit like a classified ad about yourself or like, you know, mm-hmm. these like little niche mm-hmm. things. I-, I like like people trying to meet outside of the dating apps world, like still meeting on the internet, but meeting outside of dating apps. I think that's sometimes the best way to go. Does it seem like there's somewhat of a trend where like younger people are now like meeting more often offline or am I just like making that up? I think people want to meet offline and I think people are, I think it's just really hard socially to approach people and we all have our phones now. So it's just really hard. Like young people, I just think it's so hard because Mm -hmm. it's, awkward to approach someone. And I think in the early internet, like before social media, like I remember when I was in college, I had a Nokia, but like you wouldn't just sit on your phone forever, you know, if you're at a bar. And like, I think that's also issues around, like, you don't want to be a creep. You want consent to talk to people, which some things are very good. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I wrote about this girl, Marissa, who had no more, no more lonely friends. I think it's called, it's this like meetup group that she started on TikTok. For people mm. new to different cities to meet. And so many people said they, they met their partners that way. So it was like through like a local, you know, it was, mm-hmm. I guess they also followed the same TikTok account, but like it was through these in-person events. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I heard a little while ago that maybe like some dating apps or maybe like the match group was getting a little worried because most of their users, their youngest users were mostly like uh, millennials yeah. and the Zers were not really being as active on the apps. And so they're sort of freaking out a little bit, trying to figure out how to like attract those users. Um, I'll be interested well, to see if that actually happens. I though. think there's such a big generational shift between how a lot of like millennials use the internet and Gen Z in the set or like younger people, just in the sense of like, if you're younger, you're so immersed in the internet, your whole world is basically the internet. I mean, like you're, ho- you're living in a very internet mediated world where everything's online. And so I think meeting people on the internet is more fluid and you are meeting more people generally online in all online spaces, whether it's discord gaming. Mm. Like I got really into Fortnite over the pandemic and I was in all these like discord gaming servers and <laughs> some people were dating in them and stuff, you know, yeah. like, and Whereas I feel like millennials, we weren't like 
as you needed to have those separate like dating app, like almost right. to like go to like on the internet to meet people. Right. It wasn't as like fluid. That's mm-hmm. um, tricky though, because I, I also, I have some like friends who have nieces and nephews and they're, oh, you know, 12, 13, 14, and they're oh, really Fortnite. little. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're meeting people in Fortnite and then they're, and they're, you know, all over the world. And then they start to date, even though they've like never yes. met each other or, or have actually even seen like each other in, in person or, or like over the, and they only like know their avatar or like the character that they've created. Um and so there's like their Gen X parents are trying to kind of talk to them and be like, we don't know who this person is. Yeah. We have no idea like if this is like what their gender is or if they're how old they are. They're like reporting who they are. But there's like this, these feelings of like real love of like totally. falling in love. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so it feels very like. Uh, scary and dangerous and possibly like predatory if somebody wanted to be. Um, and so that's why it feels like, well, at least it might be a little safer on a dating app, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. There's so many weird mm-hmm. creeps on dating apps too. And catfishers and people that have like millions of profiles or I do think though, I mean, you're right. It is a little, it's safer than meeting someone on discord. Sure. Um, or somebody adding you on Snapchat, which don't respond, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But I do think, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily bad for them to have those types of relationships as long as they understand what it is and like, don't get overly invested. I did have an AIM boyfriend in middle school um, who I didn't know. We never even met to this day, but he was my friend's cousin. And (laughs) he like added me one day on AIM and was like, oh, I'm at my friend's house, like my friend Nick's house. And like, what's your deal or something? And then like, I added him and like, I tried to get my mom to take me to the mall to meet it. And she was like, no, you're not meeting with your friend. And I was like, he's my friend's cousin, but <laughs> which he is like, I ended up, I think we like Facebook friended each other in college and we're like, oh my God. But, um, huh. you know, it was, it I was mean... still fun for like the three months that he was my boyfriend, you know, cause you get to like kind of <laughs> chat with yeah. someone. Yeah. And I like the my first kiss that I had when I was 14 years old was with somebody I met in an AOL chat room No way. when we did like an age sex uh, location check. Right. Yeah. Uh, and she was just uh, eight blocks away from me and we were the same age and we went to the same school and we had no idea. And then we started dating for a little bit. Uh, but that felt like the, I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm sound like such an old person when I'm like, those were the innocent times. Those were when there wasn't there a were lot of creeps, creeps on the internet. Oh my God. Didn't sure you catfish? Was. I catfished all day long on that. <laughs> I would go into the rooms and pretend to be in my twenties in New York and like, Oh yeah. You know. But I mean, I never would like do anything about no, it. But no. I, it was just like fun to like pretend that you were somebody else. Well, I did have a guy try to, I, we, I, he wanted to meet up at a bar in the East village. Cause I had lied and said, I lived in the East village. This was like, I was probably like 13 <laughs> and my aunt did live in the East village. And so we would go into the, I grew up right outside the city and, and I'm from the city originally. And so mm-hmm. I knew a lot. And then, yeah, he was like, let's meet up sometime. And I was like, uh, I can't. <laughs> Such a heartbreaker. I'm 12. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you, um, do you know why there's so many bots on dating apps and Uh, what is, what are they trying to do? Like, what's the point of these bots and what are, 
because they're kind of catfishy, but they're being robots about it. I know. No, it's a huge, it's, it's like plague. And especially I did a story not too long about AI and dating and all these AI tools that are being used to facilitate conversations and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, they were like the engineer I was interviewing at one of these apps was like, was like, um, this is going to be a nightmare for bots, like chat bots. Now, like what they're, they, they were saying they're worried about is like these fake profiles basically start now that they can integrate with like chat GPT, like have fake Mm -hmm. conversations. And, um, I don't know. I mean, it's just a spam problem and it's really hard. And the thing is with these companies is they're actually not incentivized to fix it that much because it does inflate their user numbers, which they then oh. can report to investors and raise money off of. And, sure. you know, so I it's mean, like it's a bad user experience though, when it comes it down is. to it. Right. Yeah. I think they just like walk that line where they like, don't want to eliminate all of them, you know, but they eliminate, they need to get better. Cause they're, it's especially as it's gotten easier and easier to make bots. There's mm-hmm. just so many. Yeah. Yeah. So in that article, I think you were, you were talking about, was it, so there's these sort of like AI, like applications, bots, where if you wanted to figure out how to, um, like start chatting with somebody on a dating app, they would help you. They would like facilitate that process. They'd come up with like questions or, uh, yeah. things to say. Basically yeah. you, you could, there's so many different like versions of them. There's this one keys. That's like a communication app. It was like, kind of like it was almost like a keyboard plugin that would give you like prompts to kind of respond mm-hmm. to people, like based on like whatever the text messages, the mm-hmm. chat that you're having. Um, and then there was your move.ai where like you had to like manually input, you could be like, okay, here's what this person said. Give me three potential responses or give me some opening lines or whatever. And it would sort of come up with some, like you could be like, here's what their profile says. Give me some things mm-hmm. to say. And so it give prompts. You have to approve it. Like you have to send it yourself. Um, because I think, but a lot of people were using it to chat. And I mean, I talked to one girl that found it incredibly helpful to kind of like get over that writer's block almost. Um, mm-hmm. and she thought it made her funnier. Other ones don't work as well, you know, cause the AI isn't really there yet. So it's like, mm-hmm. they suggest really weird things. <laughs> <laughs> so it's meant as more of like a jumping off point, not to like have it, an entire conversation. Some people do use it for entire conversations because they feel like they just can't carry conversations. Mm. It's more of a like, I mean, it, it seemed like women liked it more than men, which I found was interesting. And I think it's because women, there's a huge burden on that. Like they often have many conversations. They're getting many messages. It's a lot. And the men that I interviewed tend to use it more for like the opening. Like that's what the one guy I talked to was like, I didn't know a good question. Like I didn't want to just spam the same thing. And so he was using it to kind of generate that, but. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. It makes me feel like there's a possibility that it's just like AI bots talking to each other and we're all just like watching the weird. You know, so I interviewed the founder of personal AI, which is another sort of basically allows you to create a personal AI like version of you. Mm-hmm. And, um, that he was saying his wife chats with his AI bot during the day, sometimes when she wants answers on things and it will give responses and, you know, and so I do think that there's a world where we have these like, um, almost like AI avatars that can, right. Maybe, yeah, like here's my AI avatar. I'm going to send it off into the dating app universe and it's going to come back with some matches and then t- it's mm-hmm. already pre screened them. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's fucking bonkers. There's, <laughs> there's, there's been like a handful of like AI startups that have contacted me as Therapy Jeff and they're like, hey, we want to make a Therapy Jeff AI bot. 
so that when somebody wants to get some sort of like therapeutic advice or support or feedback, they can just kind of like talk to the therapy Jeff AI. Oh. And I was like, well, um, what are you going to do when somebody's like really struggling or wa- wants to harm themselves or wants to harm somebody else? And they're like, well, they're, you know, we'll say like, go talk to a professional or call 911. I'll be like, well, what about when they just like swipe that message away and continue to talk to my AI bot? Like, how am I going to be held responsible for that? What's going on? And there's like, there's, I was trying to let them know that these are going to be like possibly very vulnerable people. Yeah looking for like real help, hoping that it's going to be like personally tailored to their situation. And they already have a, like a parasocial relationship with me where they think they're, they experience or view me as like some sort of authority. And this is kind of like a way to get access to me. Um, it felt like, I mean, go ahead, like create like all the weird AI, AI bots or whatever, but like to make it into like a therapist, feels like that's like a big jump. It feels, feels irresponsible. Not great. Yeah. It feels irresponsible. Yeah. Do you remember? I don't know. I'm not sure if you're like a, a follower of therapy, Jeff. I mean, I imagine everybody is, but there was this one time on July 8th, um, Jonah Hill. Do you remember that Jonah oh, Hill's yes. ex-girlfriend? Not only that, yes. I followed her before because she was dating this YouTuber Jackson Sarah. Hinkle. Mm, mm-hmm. And so yeah. long time follower of her. But yes, I remember yeah. when she released the text messages. Yes, yeah, Sarah Brady, she like released these text messages, which were uh, sort of like outlining how mm-hmm. Jonah Hill, I took it as like, oh, this is a good like learning opportunity because Jonah Hill's like, hey, here's my quote unquote boundaries. You're not allowed to post any pictures of you in a bikini or whatever, whatever. And I was like, oh, that's actually not a boundary. He's usually, he's using that word incorrectly. He's using therapy speak and he's trying to control and manipulate his ex-girlfriend. And Sarah's kind of like showing this. And this was also around the time where Jonah Hill released that like uh therapist therapy documentary on netflix mm-hmm. and so we were all kind of like cozying up to jonah hill being like okay maybe he's one of the good guys a, a dude that goes to therapy and loves therapy so much and so it was like very disappointing when it seemed like he was being manipulative and using therapy speak and i made a video like oh this is what's going on and then that video went like super viral and it landed up on the wrong side of the internet right so the the part of the internet where like a lot of people were defending Jonah Hill and hated Sarah and then I got a bunch of death threats from these from these guys whatever i'm fine like <laughs> i'm not worried or anything but it was just like every now and then like a video will land up on the wrong side of the internet anyways uh it got me feeling um I didn't feel great about it because it felt like I was kind of like diving into this, like into the personal life of like these two sort of like celebrities and Jonah Hill, even though like, I'm not a fan of Jonah Hill and just kind of like, eh, fuck Jonah Hill. Like I'm, I'm not here to protect Jonah Hill. It felt sort of invasive. It was like his private text message, what he thought were like going to continue to be his private text messages that were revealed by Sarah. But I'm like, a very big Sarah Brady fan. And I like love what she was doing. And I, I, it also was like a very like educational moment for everybody to kind of like understand maybe what therapy speak is or what manipulative behavior is or what's okay or not. Um, But it got me thinking that like, we're now like in this place where maybe, maybe you and I and other people that are creating content online that like, 
do you ever, are you ever worried if you're texting your partner that maybe those texts will show up online, that somehow your personal like texting information can come back to haunt you? Is that a fear of yours? Yeah. I always think about this. I've definitely had people share texts of mine before. I cover the content creator industry and like, I don't know, just like people I've texted are like, oh, and look at when she texted about this or something, usually in the Mm. context of YouTube drama, because I cover YouTubers Mm. less Mm -hmm. now, but, um, I think I texted asking a YouTuber for comment and, you know, they immediately screenshot and put it out and, oh, look, she's going to write a hit piece on me or something. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I'm just doing my job. But, um, (laughs) I mean, I think it would be so violating for somebody to share your personal messages. It reminds me, I wrote a story in 2020 during a lot of the like black lives matter movement about a lot of, um, kids in school who were creating these lists of like, quote unquote, racists. And a lot of them were like linking to quote unquote evidence that was just like sort of like out of context screenshots of like text message exchanges where like maybe that person said like a microaggression or something. And I found it to be very toxic, honestly. Like, I think, I I think this is what's so hard about the internet and why I tell people never do like, usually Twitter is the place where people go to do this stuff, or I guess Instagram stories sometimes. But I feel like when people suffer injustice, it's, and, and you've been wronged in some way, like whether it's by a partner or by like a friend or something, or even like your employer, it's like you, and you know that you're in the right. And it's so annoying because it's like, you know, you're in the right, you know, Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that person won't acknowledge that you're in the right. And so it's like, you almost want to go to like the internet as this like neutral third party and be like, Hey, you guys adjudicate this and tell me that I'm right because I know I'm right. And like, I think that's probably what Sarah was trying to do where she was like, mm-hmm. Hey, I want this verdict because like, I know I'm right. And like, I want, you know, and mm-hmm. I think it was successful, but I think I've done that before it's never, it, it's like the success feels so short lived because the amount of attention that these controversies generate and the mm-hmm. like backlash that you have to deal with is not really worth it. And ultimately you are kind of violating someone's trust. So right. I, I've never like shared personal messages, but I've definitely like gone online and been like, look at this fucked up thing that somebody did or something somebody said, you know, like, isn't this wrong? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, who knows? I, I think she should have given him a heads up basically. <laughs> If she was going to do it, I hope that she said, I'm going to do it. Because I think, like, it's just so violating to have those types of messages exposed. But also, he was being a dick, you know. He was he was clearly being a dick. So, like, I don't think you can argue that. I don't think, did he ever, I think he just didn't say or do anything yeah, about it. Yeah, right? which is, by the way, how you should handle those situations. Like, I think had he... Right been going back and forth. I think he might've commented something. I'm trying to remember all the daily mail coverage that I read, but I think, I think generally if you're exposed like that, you just have to kind of lay low for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It seems like the way to go there. I mean, did you, have you since like before you sort of like became more of a public figure and then after it, have you like approached dating in a different way? Um, knowing that like maybe, uh, people will like, might already have a parasocial relationship with you before they go on a date with you or meet you, or that like, you could sort of like information about you could be used against you possibly, or are you just sort of like the same data across the board? Yeah. There was this really great piece that 
I think Luke Winky wrote, who's a great internet culture reporter. And he wrote about like media. It was about him. He dates Luke Winky dates. Actually, I think they're engaged now. Rebecca Jennings, who Rebecca Jennings is like arguably the best like internet culture analyst, like writer features writer out there. She's at Vox. And Luke is also a very good reporter on internet culture. So there, anyway, one of them wrote something, but he knew who she was, I think before they met. And she thought, she thought that he was like a media thirst guy. Cause like there, there's this, there's these men that really like women in media. And I think they usually just want kind of adjacency to like oh, here's this cool girl. And I, I feel like I know her and I'm sure it goes the other way too. But I think there's something about women that like these mm-hmm. men like cling to. And I've definitely had that where people have an idea of me or they just kind of, I feel like it's a little clout chasey almost where it's like, they just want to hang out with me because I seem cool to them or I'm going to bring them somewhere cool or I'm mm-hmm. around cool people. And I, the way, especially as my like profile has risen, like I'm so careful to not let anybody have a sense of my social circle. Like I think there's people and I'm so guilty of this online. Like I literally just before we met up, I saw like this TikToker I love is like going to do a show with this other girl. And I was like, I love them. They're hanging out together. (laughs) But personally, like I don't want any of those Reddit threads, like dissecting my friend group or my relationships. And so like, I just don't ever post about it. I don't post about my close friends. I sometimes post with, especially the more famous person I'm with, the less likely I'm going to post that I'm with them because I don't even want an association or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, especially in LA, like everybody in LA, like has a following or like, you know, it's just a very like entertainment city. And so in that sense, actually, I think people in LA respect privacy or understand privacy a little more, Mm -hmm. but the whole media, media, people dating media, people is messy. I think, I guess all, um, all, I guess all professions have that, but I guess. Yeah. But there is something strange about, um, or different, not strange or unique, about dating an influencer. I I think that like, because influencers, a lot of times they can like build a following by being really vulnerable and Mm -hmm. authentic and talking about their personal life. And, Mm -hmm. and they have to be like really thoughtful about how they're going to talk about their partner or if they're going to talk about their partner and their partner also has to kind of, I would imagine like consent to it and, um, be okay with it and make sure that the information that's being put out there, they feel comfortable with. Um, it's, it's, I've only like been doing this for like a little over two years and being a big content creator has like drastically changed my dating life in mostly negative ways. Uh, and in ways that I didn't, um, that I wouldn't have, uh, thought would be affected. There's even like one of the most like interesting things that like a ex-girlfriend said to me is that um, one of the things that she experienced that she didn't, that she hadn't never experienced before is that like, not only like, sure, she's dating me and she was like my primary person. um, But she also felt like she had to like compete or like make space for all the other people that felt like they had relationships with me or would slide into my DMs or, were like trying to be flirty with me uh, and that there was just like, she just didn't know how to handle that. It wasn't anything that like broke up the relationship, but it was something that like caused friction. And it was something that I didn't understand how to like maybe create better boundaries about, or like understand what her experience was. Uh, and I feel like 
because of this, influencers will just sort of like naturally have a difficult time dating. I mean, I'm not going to try to like feel sorry for them, but I do feel sorry for them. But this is why <laughs> a lot of influencers it. date other influencers or like, yeah. you know, I think, mm-hmm. and like, that's probably why journalists date other journalists too. I guess everybody wants somebody that really understands their like kind of unique struggles and, mm-hmm. and all of that. You know, I, I definitely like, you know, used to put when I was on Tumblr, of course I was like young girl, like in my twenties in New York. And I was like oversharing about everything and like putting so much out there about my life and my dates and whatever. And I do think it helped me get an audience back then. Like I do think back then, especially young women, people are, you know, this is like also when people, you know, a lot of young women are also pressured to write very personal essays. If, if you're going into journalism, it's like, that's a good way to get a start as a woman is like blogging about yourself and your dating life. And like, it's the Carrie Bradshaw mm-hmm. sort of model. Um, but it's so hard because then that follows you around forever. And I'm so glad that I scrubbed a lot of that off the internet, but there's still a lot about me on the internet that I wish was not there, like really personal stuff. Like, um, and so, you know, it's like, oh, it's such a double-edged sword. Yeah. Have you ever been tempted to like go into those Reddit threads and be like, this is what's fucking going on or stop it? Or do you just, (sighs) it's so hard. I, I did one time go into a Reddit thread that was like, it was, there's this influencer that I had only met once. And there was this whole Reddit thread, Reddit community dedicated to them at the time. And they were like, oh, and Taylor Lorenz is best friends with her. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Leave me out of it. Like, I don't like, leave me out of it. And I actually ended up being, becoming friendly with that influencer later. And I was like, whatever. But, um, you know, I, I, at this point, there's so many conspiracies about me and so much misinformation about myself on the internet that I just let it fly. You're like, okay, believe whatever you want, you know? Yeah, exactly. You got it. You have to reach that state of Zen. Otherwise you're going to go crazy. You can't, Mm-hmm. run around. But I think it's hard. And I think it's also like where all of our like reputations are so crowdsourced by the internet. I don't know if you remember one of my TikTok cancellations. Um, probably the only like time I got like canceled on TikTok was I defended West Elm Caleb on like the second yes. day. Yes. And it was so early. Yeah, it was, but it was before I actually felt very vindicated because by the end, all the media stuff that came out about it, like, I think everyone agreed. And I ended up talking to Kate Galvin, I think you say her name is about it. She took down her video. She was like the one that made the first call out video and she had no idea what it would blow up to. But, um, as somebody that's been doxxed and somebody that's journalist and has sort of experienced the worst of the internet, I was like, Hey, and also I think journalists, you just want to hear both sides of the story. I was like, look, you guys are, you've, I think got this man fired. You were harassing him in the COVID testing line. Like you have really destroying this man's life. We don't even know his side of things. And there's a lot of like alleging and not a lot of proof of these things that you're alleging and like defamatory stuff. And, and people were so angry at me, like truly for like th- 72 hours, I thought, oh my God, everyone on TikTok hates, you know how it is on TikTok when right. people come yeah. for you. And yeah. then I, I think actually it got so out of control that like, then people started to be like, wait, she's right. Like, this is mm. too much. And, mm-hmm. but it, anyway, it just, I thought that was another example of like, I I'm so for women sharing their bad dating experiences online, but like when the whole internet can come for you over things right. that you thought were private interactions mm-hmm. can feel like a lot. I'm glad that, I'm glad that they look, I'm glad that they, you know, call out bad behavior, but mm-hmm. it's a lot. Uh, uh, yeah. And that's the thing <laughs> is that like it, all in all, 
it's good. I feel like the pendulum is sort of like swinging in the right direction, but there's still going to be like really funky things that happen and people that get hurt that shouldn't or misunderstandings and shit blows up and based on rumors and just allegations. Yeah. So yes, I tried but... to do a profile, by the way, he didn't want to talk to me, but I tried to profile <laughs> West Elm Caleb for the times. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Cause I want, I just thought it was so interesting. Like, I mean, I've done stories of that before, not, not to hear his side. Cause I, I think he, look, he was a huge dick in a lot of situations, but like, I just think it's as somebody that's been on the other side of like the whole internet coming for you. Like it just, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to really be like, what did you learn from this experience? And like, what would you do differently? You know, it's just an interesting mm -hmm. position to be in. Sure. Yeah. Uh, last question is, uh, so this podcast is called big dating energy. Um, would you say you have big dating energy? Oh, good question. I have big energy in everything <laughs> in life. <laughs> so probably yes. <laughs> yeah. If you think of like big dating energy, I mean, we haven't defined it, but is there like a celebrity out there who you would imagine or an influencer out there who you think also has like big dating energy? Okay. Big dating energy to me says like you're up for fun experiences. You're down for it. Like you're outgoing. You're like down mm -hmm. for anything. Um, who has that as a celebrity or influencer? I'm trying to think. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so bad at like thinking of celebs on the spot. <laughs> I feel like when I ask this to people, they usually go with like Pete Davidson, but I think they might be confusing that with big dick energy. I don't think he has big dating energy right now either. I feel like he's in a quiet period. Um, <laughs> who has big dating energy? Would you say, I feel like maybe before George Clooney settled down? Oh, totally. Right? Ultimate dating. Yeah. He was like, yeah, he, but now he's like been married for so long. It's like, who, who's going to take up the mantle? Who's the young George Clooney now? <laughs> That's yeah. I don't, there's gotta be somebody, but I I want to imagine that big dating energy is not like aggressive. No, it's like it's fun. It's yeah. inviting. Like we love to go on a first date with that person because the possibilities and the fun questions. Um, well, there's people too that like you just have a great. I have actually a bunch of guy friends that are good guy friends of mine. Or like, I still talk to you that I met them cause we went out on dates and mm -hmm. we just realized that we're really good friends. And mm -hmm. I think there are certain people that just like love to go out and have a good time and have a date. And like, it's fun. And even if you don't vibe with them, like they're just, they have big dating energy cause they're fun, cool people. Mm -hmm. And so like, mm -hmm. I've remained friends with them. Um, but I'm trying to think like celebrity wise, like who Can I, think I mean, of any women, I guess you know who has it now is Ariana um, from uh, Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> <laughs> I think she does, yeah. Because yeah. she's single again. Everyone hates Tom still. Like uh -huh. I feel like she's just on. She's still on the upswing from that whole she drama. Is on the upswing, yeah. Good for her. I love her. I I uh, I wrote a book that's coming out in July called Big Dating Energy, and I reference Tom and Ariana. Um, and I'm really hoping that they everyone still understands the reference <laughs> in July. When it comes oh, they out. will. That yeah. was a seminal moment in reality television. Like I've watched Vanderpump Rules from the beginning, and like so have I. it was shocking. I rewatched seasons one through three just to like remember the Miami <laughs> girl situation. I was like, oh my god, but. 
Yeah, there's a lot of reality stars, I think, that have big dating energy. Maybe because, like, to be a reality star, you have to be a little, like, you know, sure. out there. Yeah, and maybe, like, the folks that go on the dating reality shows um, have some big dating yeah. energy. Yeah. I love, um, I love, like, yeah, I, I love, like, I, I love when people, like, spill. Like, I don't know if you've seen um, on TikTok, but, like, you know, people will like do the, like, get ready with me's for the dates mm-hmm. and stuff. And, like, I just think it's so, that excitement is really fun to like participate mm-hmm. in and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's fun. We love to see it. Uh, Taylor, it's been really good talking to you. I've been following your work for a really long time. So it's kind of a dream come true that you got to be on my podcast. Yeah. You're really easy to talk to. So I appreciate it. And I encourage everybody to check out Extremely Online. Uh, 10 out of 10 would recommend. And um, yeah, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much. This was so fun. 